in the book, I talk, so there's the four C's of being a change maker, right? And so there's there's curiosity, courage, yep. conviction, yep. which is kind of like, what do I stand for? Yeah. And connection is the mm. last one, right? And the connection piece is about, A, do I, can I connect with myself? You know, can I tell myself I love myself? And can I understand and see who I am and how I'm showing up? So that kind of self-awareness piece. Then there's a connection with others, right? And how do I have the real human connection mm. and how do I help others create that connection? And I think if you can do that, um, then that's that's fundamental to helping change happen. This is how yeah. you can create movements, yeah. right? This episode of Please Blow My Mind is proudly supported by the lovely team at Sunpix Post. Yes. I've got one of the directors here. Is that correct? That's correct. You're yes. like a boss. I am a boss. Well, Poppy's the boss, really. She's True kind that. of managing the place. For those watching, uh, it's the cutest little dog ever. Oh, <laughs> looked at me on cue. Don't bite me. Uh, for those listening, uh, we're in the Sunpick. I've called it the Sunpix Podcast Studio. Yes. And we are we're we're on this mission to create good conversation. Exactly. Yeah. To acknowledge uh, the kind of traditional media, which is telly and radio, but give it a bit of a revamp into this whole podcast world. Exactly. Of, of you know, like in the past, Dan. Um, things cost a lot of money to make yeah now we can talk for hours yes and i think that's what we're both excited about right that's what some picks is excited about yeah like. yeah and the possibilities are endless mm. you know you start one you talk about one um topic and you get different guests in and mm. then they have different ideas and it's all about spreading ideas yep. and making yeah engaging content really and um we should start a uh, like a conference called ted talks ted talks and it's just us <laughs> spreading ideas ideas worth sharing i think is their um yeah tagline. it is so anyway we can rip that off one day uh, just quickly if people want to check out the Sunpix story um, they can jump online they can sunpixpost.co.nz so we're a post-production facility and we basically make content uh, for TV mm. for web and um, we specialize in finishing so color grading and uh, sound mixing uh, podcast recording mm. voiceover recording awesome yeah we try and do a little bit of everything around so here kind of like creative one-stop shop if you need to get yes, your message out there, true. Yeah. come and uh, leave Come the and visit Poppy. She's here. She's an office <laughs> dog, and she will probably bark at you as you walk in. Yay. Yeah. Sunpixpost.co.nz. <laughs> this episode of Please Blow My Mind with me, Will Fleming, is brought to you by floatculture.co.nz. Float Culture is Auckland's leading flotation tank center created for the well-being of the body and mind. When you float with folkculture.co.nz, you'll create meaningful and lasting change with mindfulness and complete physical relaxation. Floating will become an integral part of your busy lifestyle. Float Culture is motivated to ensure that the entire experience achieves maximum relaxation, happiness and relief for you. So if you want to be part of the float culture scene in New Zealand, visit floatculture.co.nz to book your float and blow your mind right now. As a very special offer to you, the Please Blow My Mind listener, you'll get 20% off your next float by using the promo code MINDBLOWING, all one word. Visit floatculture.co.nz and book your float today. Now, 
we live in a world that encourages us to remove ourselves from the human experience. Whether it's looking at our phones too long, forgetting how to talk to someone face to face, or just straight up giving in and convincing ourselves that a chicken nugget is actual food. It's not food, it's silence. I don't know about you, but this freaks me out. So I've started a podcast, my antidote to this silliness. It's time to blow our minds. My name is Will Fleming. Welcome to my podcast, Please Blow My Mind. Digby Scott, all the way from Wellington. How are you, man? I'm in good form. Good to be here. <laughs> We've had the car ride. I'm like a personal Uber driver, eh? Yeah, uh, I think more like a chauffeur. Yeah, that's know? it. A chauffeur that's from door a, to door. That's a great deal. We hang out, I pick you up. There's a lot of negotiation that's gone on and we haven't even, we've just started the podcast. Yeah. I think, is it negotiation or is it more like we've just been feeling each other out, right? Yeah. And it's like. That sounds weird, doesn't it? But that's like <laughs> well, I'm enjoying it. So cheers yeah, to that, yeah, my friend. It's, it's good to see you. We've, we've got a beer. We're, we're settling in nicely. It's a, it's a unique time we live in, eh? You know, we were referencing it on our drive. There's a lot going on. Like, literally, a lot. You've got a book. You're doing this. There's social media. There's Twitter. There's Trump. There's a lot going on. Yeah, you know, it was uh, Robert Kennedy back in 1966 says, you know, we live in interesting times and these are times of danger and uncertainty, but they're also more open to the creative energy of men. He said men at the time. It was 1966 than any other time in history, right? We live in interesting times. Mm. And I think that was back in 1966. Mm. And, you know, here we are in 2019 and this is a great time to be alive. Yep. It's fascinating. You know, you say that, but do you think people feel like it is? Because there is one version which is like, man, suicide's never been so high, or at least the acknowledgement of we counting now, you know, and it's like it can feel like global warming is freaking everyone out and are we happy? And I mean, I, I agree with you. It's an amazing time. And we have things now like I saw on the news that someone was caught on camera sleeping in their self-driving Tesla yeah, in traffic. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that person, what that person's doing, well, they're having a break. That's what we're encouraging everyone to do. They're probably doing mindfulness sleeping, but they're sleeping in a driving car. Yeah. I, I think of the long arc of history, <laughs> yeah. right? And I reckon if you go back to 1966 or 1914 or... Uh, 1503 whatever <laughs> very specific years yeah exactly yeah 1500's <laughs> a great year apparently yeah um but there was i think anyone alive at the time could have said these are interesting times right and so i think if when you say people <clears throat> might be freaking out yeah maybe mm. how about we have a frame that actually for all of us there's a bit that's freaking out yeah. and for all of us there's a bit that's how fascinating how interesting and maybe it's just the proportions are different for each of us because mm. i think for some of us like i'm quite the optimist right and i think okay how do we make the most of the time we have here on the planet yeah. and given all the change what does that mean and then there's others whose makeup might be more crap this is really hard mm. this is how do i navigate this i i don't quite know where to go and what to do and how to make sense of everything that's going on and so that might be the predominant story that someone's telling themselves so i think there's a blend it's mm. like well how do we choose to work with it because you know, here we are on the planet 2019 like this is when we were born into so mm. Uh, what's our attitude towards it, right? And yeah, I, I, I think there's the whole spectrum. Yeah. Mm. Is that the bio of your book? 
in a loose way you know like are you describing what's change makers yeah so is this um you know like what people normally do when they interview people is they research and i don't (laughs) i spend all my time just emailing your beautiful team and negotiating picking you up and i haven't (laughs) read your book but now we get to talk about it right and we get to talk about it and we get to you kind of get to i guess explain what we don't read in the nice beautiful 140 character bio yeah good Good question. Is that the bio of my book? Uh, you won't need to read the book after this interview, maybe. <laughs> it's a tension. I've heard we'll lots see. of authors on podcasts saying, look, you're asking me to give away my hard-earned thoughts. Oh, God, no. I mean, it's a bit like, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit like Jamie Oliver, right? Yeah. You buy Jamie Oliver's book and you make a recipe. It doesn't mean you're going to have Jamie Oliver in your kitchen. Yeah. It's the same. It's different, right? Yeah. But um, back to that question, um, what's kind of like, what's the what's the book about mm. is the way I'm reading what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I mean, because you were articulating a pretty, you know, and, and it's in what we've been talking about, you know, there's deep kind of feelings and yeah. lots going on and there's lots yeah. of change going on. And I wonder yeah. if, if that's kind of, it's a great what, question. Yeah. Um, so I wrote the book cause I think there's a lot of people on that cusp between, uh, what I call the reactive mindset, which is kind of a fear-based place to be operating from. Mm. Um, and the creative mindset. By the way, this, these aren't my words. The, the creative reactive comes from a guy called Bob Anderson who actually borrowed it from another guy called Robert Fritz. Jeez, I'm sounding like a geek here. <laughs> um, but uh, Robert Fritz wrote a book called The Path of Least Resistance. I think it was back in the 70s or 80s. And it's just it's uh, all about what mindset do you choose to have. And so I see there's a lot of people who are kind of on the cusp between wanting to lean into the opportunities that the world presents us with but aren't quite sure how to step into that space Mm. and in particular kind of make a difference make a mark so because the the subtext of the book is make your mark with more impact and less drama right right? and or subtext the subtitle and so the the message in the book is about let me help you cross that threshold Mm. let let me help you um develop or, or gather the qualities to be more in that creative orientation because uh, I think the world needs a, more of a creative orientation what I what I mean by creative is not so much arty how good am I at making yeah. music or whatever yeah. it's more um, can I do I have the capacity to create more of what I want to see in the world mm. right whereas the reactive orientation is kind of like I'm being done to and I'm kind of being pushed in and I'm kind of feeling stuck whereas mm. creative is more I'm leaning out and I'm kind of saying here's what I want to make happen and I'm starting to make that happen mm. not obviously it's not as binary as that but it's a mindset thing right and I reckon if we can have more people feeling like geez actually I can be a player that's one of the the words I use in the book is a player and a maker as opposed to a sleeper or a seeker, yeah. uh, then I'm, I think life is better and it's not just better for me, but I'm actually making the world better. Yeah, man. I mean, I definitely, that's some of the themes we cover in the podcast is like, we want to play. I want to be part of the game, but I'm, I'm confident that people sometimes are confused what the game is. Mm. And maybe that's a good thing because maybe the game only served a few traditionally. Yeah, yeah. And now, yeah. like, what the world being connected shows is that we're all players. Yeah. And we've got to, like, how do you pick your team? Hey, and, and, and we're all players, or, or I think we're all are being asked to be players. Yeah. And, and sometimes they're like, well, how do I play? <laughs> yeah. And I was actually having a conversation with a client in Wellington this morning, um, and she was talking about, 
it was a software company and she was saying how we've got all these great young talented people but because they're at a stage of their career in sort of their mid to late 20s where they have been kind of basically spoon fed's not quite the right word but mm. they've been uh, told what to do here's how you be good at your job do this and you'll be good and oh well done and now here's the next thing yeah. and now they're at a stage where they're being asked to kind of step up away from waiting for someone to tell them what to do mm. into well you need to have a bit more agency yourself have a make your own, more of your own decisions and I think that's a, like a, a microcosm of where we're at in the world where yeah. it's like actually we need to take responsibility for our own situations more and I don't know it's yeah there's a What's the word? I think, again, it comes back to that, mm, how do I do that? How do I do that? Yeah. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not sure. Yeah, yeah. That, that's my synopsis. I'm not sure. I just think the way we do it is how we've always done it. Things are challenging and you, you rarely solve anything on your own. Yeah. And so this is what this is for me. You know, it's like we're not just talking, we're not just hanging out, but we're actually trying to work through, hmm, I don't know. I really don't know. And we get a little bit of your knowledge and a little bit of this yeah. and, and you fuse it together. And I love the fact that we can share for free, like um, ideas, Yeah, you know, and it's a real interesting time to be sharing ideas because lots of ideas are being shared. And you can also see the kind of horrible side of that, Yeah, you know, because that's the thing with uh, sharing is that if you go online, you can find anything about anything. Yeah. And it's pretty scary. Who do you choose to hang out with? Who do you and how, who do you choose to hang out with? Uh, I choose to hang out with the people that make me shine, or right. uh, and feel like I can feel like I shine, right? Because yeah, yeah. I think you know, I was reading something the other day. It was, came through in a LinkedIn post, which was around um, you know these toxic people, and the, mm. they call them the energy vampires. And yeah, why would you hang out with them? Um, so I tend to be really deliberate about who I spend my time with as mm -hmm. I got older I've, I've found that you know it's just time's precious uh, so not just hang out with like physically but yeah. also who do I choose to listen to <laughs> yeah. um, having said that and we we're talking this uh, about this in the in the car I, I think it's also dangerous to hang out too often with people who are too much like you right yeah. so uh, this idea of going out and hanging out with alternative thinkers mm -hmm. and and people who think quite differently to you yeah. that you can kind of sit with and go how the hell do they think like that <laughs> yeah. um, without getting into judgment? Yeah. And and I wrote a blog maybe just after the Christchurch shootings, and, mm. uh, which was if we can be with difference and if we can learn to both find where we're kind of the same and I you know, kind of have this Venn diagram with you and them and mm. the overlap between those two circles is the kind of bit, K-I-N-D-A, mm. and if we can be fine where the kind of like each other is, that's a good start. But also, are we cool with the bit where we're not kind of like them? Can yeah. we sit with that? Yeah. And I think at the moment, there's a lot of, no, that's binary and that's wrong. And no, they're not like me, so they're a bad person. This yeah. judgment thing comes in. It's like, <laughs> how do we sit with just a bit more openness with that? That's mm -hmm. I'm really curious about that. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I mean, so how do you, it's a really delicate line you're talking about because we're – how how does one navigate? And the other thing is in real time, because yeah. you know you mentioned um, JFK. Did you uh, Robert Kennedy? Right, yeah. right. Sorry, yeah. I heard the Kennedy. Yeah, and yeah. What popped all, into, they kind of look the same, you know. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> uneducated me. Um, but no, he was talking about you know when a crisis happened, 
and he was president, he had two weeks to sort that out. Yeah. If you're me and I accidentally cut, don't cut out an F-bomb from you and you say, hey, man, you told me that we're going to be all PC and cool. I've got to get onto that. I don't yeah. have two weeks. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no letters. Yeah. There's an email. There's a call. Yeah. And that's like that double-edged sword, eh? You know, where we don't have time. We're on the pump. We're we're immediate. Yeah. And we're trying to walk this tightrope. Yeah. Of who do we hang out with and why? And you're trying to do it now. And I think you know, there's a few frames that help me, which yep. is life as one great unfolding experiment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and. And, and, and actually, there's a lovely saying that I picked up. It's a bit of a mantra for me um, out of a book called The Art of Possibility by a guy called Ben Zander and his wife, Rosamond. Mm. And he, he, he says in there, hey, just remember, it's all invented, right? <laughs> Everything in the world we've all made up. We've made all this shit up. <laughs> like money is a made up concept, right? It's all invented. And so if we can be sort of going, okay, it's all invented, and life's a big experiment, then I reckon we can kind of walk through with more of a learning mindset mm-hmm. than a, am I right, am I wrong, are they right or are they wrong? And, uh, and I, I, I think there's a healthy blend. So I have this kind of spectrum in my mind, I, I think really visually, which we had a whiteboard actually. So, <laughs> but, um, so if you imagine a, a, a continuum, a line, and at one end is ignorance, right? So I don't know anything. And I'm just, I'm ignorant of everything, right? And I don't even know what I don't know, right? And so that's one mindset. Way down the other end is arrogance. Mm. Arrogance is I know it all and, you know, I'm shit hot and I'm all over it and there's nothing I don't know. And there's a few people we see in the public eye these Mm. days that kind of could resemble that. Mm. (laughs) Now, neither of those two ends are healthy in my mind. In fact, you could sort of bend that line and turn it into a circle, and they're kind of the same thing, ignorance and arrogance, right? But there's this two bits that sort of one step in. One, st- one is one step in from ignorance, and the other one's one step in from arrogance. And one step in from arrogance is confidence. Like, I know some shit. I know some stuff. And it's important to have that, right? Yes. I kind of... As, as you get older, it's like you've got to kind of know what you know because that helps you navigate. That helps you navigate the uncertainties of the interesting yes. times. It's kind of, okay, well, I know that I've done this before and that seemed to work then and, you know, and I'm kind of good at this and this is, this is kind of my strength and all that sort of stuff. Or I know that this sort of person, this is how I have to deal with mm. them or whatever it is. So that you've got to be able to go, I've got some confidence in what I know. So moving away from arrogance into confidence. Down the other end, the move in from ignorance is wonderance. So I'm trying to make them rhyme, right? So you've got (laughs) ignorance, wonderance, confidence, arrogance. And I think the wonderance is is a step away from ignorance. It's kind of realizing you don't know everything. Mm. And that actually I've got to have some wonderance, like wondering about, so what do I want to learn here? And uh, so I know this stuff, but... What don't I know? And I reckon if you can kind of be in that sweet spot between wonderance and confidence, that's a really healthy place to be because Mm. you're kind of going, well, I know some stuff, but I don't know it all. So it's an experiment. So I might as well test some stuff and see what (laughs) else I can learn. Um, Does that make sense? I'm kind of talking in theory land here a little bit. Well, it makes sense on this podcast because we go deep. (laughs) And sometimes we don't know where we're going, but we'll do it together. Um, How did you come up with, this way of thinking i mean have you been is it is it the school of hard knocks have you had great mentors have you just Mm. kind of pondered for a long time studied dude all of the above yeah um 51 years on the planet yeah 
Um, I think there's some formative stuff. Um, so, you know, in no particular hierarchy or order, mm. um, there was a book I read um, when I was probably about 12, um, which some of the listeners might know, called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. And I don't know if you've come across it. A guy called Richard Bark wrote right. it. It's a book about a seagull. Mm. Oh, okay, that was formative. <laughs> what? Uh, it's a book about uh, a seagull who wants to break free of the flock. Right. The flock is just hunting for fish, and that's its reason for existence, to eat so we can live, right? And there's this seagull called Jonathan going, well, there must be more life than this. Um, but as he tries to break away from the flock, the flock holds him down and says, no, there's only one reason for living and it's not to fly away, it's to catch fish and stay alive, right? Mm. And we have to have the law of the flock to do that. And he, he says, well, no, bugger that. I'm actually going to go and learn how to fly really fast and I want to learn about aerobatics. Arabat- uh, mm. And uh, he ends up being outcast from the flock for all his, his crazy um, rebel behaviour. But he then goes on this journey of self-discovery and he then ultimately comes back to the flock and finds another person who's asking the wrong sort of questions according mm. to the flock and to me that was like oh dude you don't have to do what everyone else does right and that stuck what am i you know that's like 40 years later or wow. something that was a really quite a formative book and i think that comes through in the change makers book awesome. it's just sort of like be a little bit rebellious right mm. go and find your own path because mm. so there's that um mentors yeah, people who have believed in me, I think we don't show enough. We don't show others enough that we really believe in them. You know, I had a boss in my 20s when I was running a recruitment company here in New Zealand. Actually, I've lived in New Zealand nearly, well, geez, the third of my life. So I'm Aussie, obviously, yeah. this weird accent. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, when I was running this recruitment company called Robert Walters back in the 90s here, um, I had a boss who he just backed me 150%. And I was so out of my depth. I ended up burning out in the role, um, which was another really formative experience, True. actually. It took me on the path I'm on to now. But he believed in me and he told me he believed in me, right? There was this sort of, I've got your back mm. and I, I see you're the potential that you don't own in yourself and I'm, I kind of wonder do we have enough of those people around us you know in terms of who do you choose to hang out with do you have someone in your tribe who sees you for the person you can be I call mm. it the bigger me the, mm. the, the bigger version of you the one who shines the one you want to show up more often wow. and he did right and I and if he's listening to this thank you Ben uh, absolute legend um, amazing yeah, his name's Ben Anderson. He lives in um, Silicon Valley now. He's a Kiwi. Really? Kiwi, Kiwi guy. Isn't yeah. that amazing? Yeah. All the things that you could think of, and it's like the person who believed in you. Yeah. It's not the algorithm. It's not the self-driving <laughs> car. It's none of that crap, eh? It's the it's human. It's someone saying, hey, man, it's like, you know, I was thinking about, I often think about it, that you can think about loving someone as much as you want, but at some point you've got to tell them, "Yeah, I love you. And it's just part of the human thing, eh? You know, hey. and that's what worries me is that we don't have enough 
time together yeah. to say, hey, man, I just appreciate you. Yeah. You know, we might say it with a thumbs up or a, you know, a retweet or something like that. And I'm certainly not against social media because it's what we're on now. And that's the irony of the whole this whole thing. <laughs> but it's like if you can just, you know, we're telling, the, you know, introduce yourself to a stranger, get uncomfortable, do all these things. But, like, don't forget to, like, maybe you've got to tell yourself out loud, I love you. Hey. Hey, something like that. And yeah. it seems kind of stupid and weird. And I get it when I say it out loud, it sounds stupid. But because it would be if you wake up and you're like, you know, your partner's sitting there or maybe you're by yourself. You're just like, I love you, William. Yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. At least you know. Yeah, because you've imagined if we said all the shit that we say in our brains about mm. ourselves mm. Uh, out loud, we would be like, there would be a room of critics, yeah. right? And I think that's not a healthy thing. Mm. So some something, and, and often we are the person who gets in our own way. Yeah. So yes, say I love you to yourself, mm. but also be the person who lets others know because yeah. I think we assume we that, assume. Well, that that. Oh, no, they know that I love them. And yeah. I know that they know I think oh, they're <laughs> awesome and all of this stuff. But, you know, what if we just spent that extra 30 seconds yeah. to slow down and go, hey, look, love your work. Mm. You're a fantastic addition to the team. Uh, you know, for these reasons, you know, love you. That I want you to hang around more. Mm. I really value what you do. Okay, what was that? 15 seconds. Exactly. Um, and if what if we just did that a little bit more deliberately? I mean, at, a, in an, at another level, like, the fact that you said, I'll come pick you up from the airport. Right. Right. I, you know, there was no kind of me making you do that. You chose to do that. And I'm like, <laughs> hell, that'd be awesome because we can have this amazing conversation yeah. before the conversation. No, no. And so we were talking in the car about mm. how awesome it was just as a way to carve out that bit of extra time to get to know each other. Man, it's yeah, 100% like that. Yeah. So, and I reckon there's a yearning for more quality connection. Um, And this idea of, we talked about it in the car too. I love this idea of being a host Mm. for conversations, for experiences. Yeah. Um, To, to not just, get your own connection but to host a place for other people to have connection and yeah. you're alluding to a little bit about like you know there's lots of tribes forming mm-hmm. around the world and groups of people well, we're starting to hunker into or or feel the need to feel protected in groups because yep. it's getting scary it's hey. almost like yeah so <sighs> put up the barriers yep yeah in the book I talk so there's the four C's of being a change maker right and so there's there's curiosity courage yep conviction which is kind of like what do i stand for and connection is the Mm. last one right and the connection piece is about a do i can i connect with myself you know can i tell myself i love myself and can i understand and see who i am and how i'm showing up so that kind of self-awareness piece then there's a connection with others right and how do i have the real human connection Mm. and how do i help others create that connection and i think if you can do that um then that's that's fundamental to helping change happen this is how you can create movements right um and if you can if you can help others just connect then you're leading to me that's a big part of it there's a i wrote a blog a while ago called come down from the stage and i I run a lot of leadership programs and there's um you know, the traditional model for a lot of leadership programs, you know, you get participants going on this journey uh, and every now and then we'll get a guest speaker come in, right? 
and the guest speaker will be some guru, some expert who's, uh, you know, let me tell you, young grasshoppers, all about what I've learned from being a leader. Yeah. And here is the wisdom, right? And they're kind of on the stage. Mm. And so I wrote this blog saying, come down from the stage. Come down and sit with us and tell us what your challenges are and tell us who you are and then put some ideas into the center of the circle that we can chew on and some questions that we can mull over together mm. and be with us and Actually, even just host us. Just host us having a conversation. And if you can just be a catalyst for that, then that's way more powerful. So I've experimented with that in the Changemakers program where we don't have guest speakers. We have guest conversationalists. And that's the briefing I give them. I Mm -hmm. say, so what I want you to do is bring your questions and bring your ideas that you think you want to further because I want you to have a learning experience as much as these people. Mm -hmm. And I want you to be a part of the conversation. Man, everyone loves that. And you know what? The person who's the, the, the sage on the stage goes, oh, you mean I don't have to do a presentation? Right. Hell yeah, no PowerPoints? Awesome. Cool. Yeah. And then we can just they can just breathe out and be one of us. Yeah. And gosh, it's so powerful to create connection. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if there's a link to, you know, I talked about social media a bit and this idea that you can say whatever you want. But if you took that come down off that Twitter stage, stage. Yeah. so maybe it's and I often think about things that maybe just aren't invented yet you know so maybe it's you can troll however you want but you have to add in a solution mm-hmm. so you got to like do the problem and the solution and then post and I don't know yeah. what that kind of means but it's more like we need to find a way because what you're encouraging I think is also like it's not us and them it's us it's us. It's us. They're us. And it's natural, right? We put ourselves into the, the leader and we're going to get led. And I guess that's maybe that's good for in a 10% of time where things are horrible. You know, we've kind of the worst of the, the fight or flight, mm. you know, like that same thing in hypnosis that if a shocking moment happens, something else turns on and you're suggestible. Yeah. And maybe it's like something's falling, move now. And everyone just has to do it. Yeah. And I think we're like triggering into that. But when it's us and us, you know, it's a little bit less about them. Yeah, hey, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's about collective leadership as opposed mm. to some person that we refer to. And I I think the leader is host, the leader is facilitator. It's been an idea that's times – I think it's been around a while, that idea, but I think it's like increasingly valid now. I was talking to a lady on the, on the plane um, on the way up, actually, and she was telling me about her culture – um, uh, organization called Red Vespa, and they won a um, a okay award for best culture workplace in New Zealand or something last year. Mm. Apparently, um, nice little plug for those guys. Yeah. Uh, and she was saying how yeah we've got a really flat structure, and the way I the impression I got was that leadership is about um, it's not about one person making all the decisions. It's about empowering others to really connect and learn together. I was asking a lot about her, their learning culture and I got the sense that it, it's about, well, self-organizing, right? And so then the leader's role mm. is to create the space for that to happen, you know, as opposed to uh, the, the one who's got all the answers. Mm. And I think we know this stuff. I yeah. reckon there's something, you know, you're talking about come with a solution, maybe... I also reckon it's about come with a question. Right. So I think, so if I was, I'm imagining 
what I when I put stuff on Twitter, I often will lead with a question. I don't tweet much, um, but I'll often pose more questions than I do. Here's the answer. Because, again, that's kind of more down the confidence, arrogance end yeah. in a little way. Yeah. So it's kind of blending it with that wonderance of, mm. hmm, so what do we think about this? Yeah. Or what do you? What could you do here? Or you know, And so that leading with questions. So you're inviting curiosity. Mm. And I reckon when there are the old answers are no longer serving us, actually we need to ask new questions, right, mm. and then create new answers from that. True that. Yeah. Do you think forward much? Do you kind of ponder what things will be like in five or ten years and and if we would have I guess it can sometimes feel like we're on a pendulum and we're just maybe it's something like politics you know this yeah. team this team gets in now this team gets in yeah. I wonder if we will maybe integrate AI and help trying to stop we seem to get bottlenecked yeah hey. I don't think forward much I used to true, right? I used true. to get super excited about what would the future of work look like be in 10 years time? And wow, how fascinating. And, and now I'm kind of realizing, well, actually, we're inventing the future. And in fact, right. I'm speaking at a conference in a couple of months time, and the theme is the future is now. Mm. And um, I love that because it, what it requires us then to do is to create the future we want today, right. now, right? right? Be that now. And I think it's good to have an eye, an eye on the forces at play, like uh, what's, what's AI about and mm. what's what are the implications for AI but we can't predict we can't say this is what it's going to be like in 10 years time I think it's more oh this is the direction it might go mm. so if that's where it might go what does that say yeah. again it's that wonderance bit right so I kind of I don't really think I don't try and predict I kind of go okay there's some interesting forces at play what does that mean for me now yeah. you know and I, I tend to be someone who kind of, I don't know, I, I like to leave my options open. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just keep learning and then something new will come across <laughs> my desk and I'll go, how do I integrate that now, mm. right? And yeah, so I'm, I'm less about kind of forecasting and being a futurist. Uh, and and uh, may, I mean, would it be fair to say you're the same about the past? that you don't yeah. want to dive because I tell you what mm. it's interesting I spoke to a former rugby league player and he went through the psychotic break and shared it on the podcast but he said what he couldn't get out of he couldn't get to the now he could only live in then and forward Yeah, and I'm like I wonder how if anyone asks people who are going through a tough time if can they get to the now is it possible well, I'm no psychotherapist. No, no, no. Um, well, you are now. <laughs> I, I totally relate to the if I'm having a tough time mm. and there's a whole lot of what ifs and I wish I could have and regrets and that stuff. And I've learned it doesn't serve. Mm. Um, it's you know the other thing is if it's been great in the past and it's crap now, then you know kind of going oh, I wish I was back then when it was awesome mm. or whatever. Uh, and I tell you, what, I reckon we're all wired to do it, and, so. and I think we have a. So let's be human about that, mm. um, but also put it in its place. Like it's like it's not you now. Like you are you now, and your past is who's what shaped you. Mm. And we're talking about this in the car. Man, we had a lot of conversations. We did. In the car we did around. Well, you can't apologize for the person you are. The, the the forces that shaped you yeah. uh, and the stuff that happened in the past you, can, you it's like well that's there now I am here's who I am now and 
okay, what do I do with that person, right? right. Um, yeah, man, I, I think it's easy to say oh, we shouldn't be in the past. I think it's about being able to go like good meditation. You know, good meditation is where you just notice a thought and you go, that's a thought. Yeah. That's a memory. Yeah. Wow, isn't that an interesting memory? Look what that's doing to me. Mm. And then be able to be a little more detached from it perhaps. Yeah. I. I've certainly had to learn to do that because um, moving to New Zealand from Australia 12 years ago, my wife's a Kiwi, right. and I didn't actually want to leave Western Australia. I love Western Australia, and I um, <laughs> we originally moved there for about when we got married in 1998, and I was like, oh, I want to go back and live in Perth because I had this big burnout right mm. from Robert Walters, and I was not in a good space. Mm. I was in a pretty crappy space we got married at the same time that was an awesome thing to happen and then it was like okay let's go to Perth and she's going okay not for too long because I love New Zealand I'm going ah well we'll just go for a couple of years (laughs) right and then we got there and then we had kids and I just kept avoiding the conversation about wanting to come back to New Zealand she was keen I'm like nah we stayed nine years (laughs) (laughs) I stretched it out and uh, there was something about me I, I decided I needed to look forward rather than hold on to a fear okay so and in fact one of the best things i did was actually go and see a counselor who said you know how could you be an author of this next chapter of your life rather than a victim of it right so oh that's a good language yeah Yeah. so i came with a kind of an author i'm going to write my new zealand chapter mindset 12 years ago and even then with that positive frame of mind that creative orientation it was like Oh, dude, but it's summer in WA and it's 30 degrees and the beaches are awesome. And, you know, and it was this whole, um, I wish I was there. And it's just, yeah, I I still do it, but I I, I think I've learned to kind of go, okay, and you are here in 2019 in Wellington, Mm. so how are you going to make the most of this? Which is kind of where we loop back to where we started in a way, right? Exactly. And also what you're talking about is being part of an actual team that you got to make compromises for. Yeah, family. It's called that team. Right? <laughs> yeah, and it's a tough one. I, was, I, was, uh, yeah, I said something to, you know, like today I took my kids for haircuts, and it ain't no cheap thing. Like, because there is not, it's not acceptable to just give them a zero, because that's what I'd do. That's free. <laughs> that's the cheapest. But one. they want to fade, and they want the little line here, and they've got full sets of hair, the little buggers. But but the funny thing is that you don't walk away without. 70 bucks in your wallet yeah and i was thinking i'm like that's hilarious yeah. that's like that's money it's kind of like an investment they just like the whole time they're like oh have they got wi-fi there dad yeah i'm like probably not yeah you know so okay we'll, we'll play our apps and i'm like yeah you do that <laughs> and we kind of walked away and i'm like man i'm 70 dollars poorer and you don't even know you've got a sweet haircut you know but it is that that i guess i bring it up because it's a nice example of Sometimes these things we're simulating, you know, like maybe it's suffering or, you know, we think we don't need to always save the world. eh? Just get through or try and find the learnings in your everyday stuff, you know, like if you're not living in Western Australia, it's not all bad. You know, I think you just add all those things up. And if you really look at them and you're like, wow, we're all CEOs of yeah. ourselves and our families and we're just trying to work it out i think that's where i've landed just trying to work it out yeah most people are it's all invented <laughs> and it's a big experiment yeah. so let's uh let's navigate it together mm. and 
yeah, this, the, that's a big message in the book really is, you know, um, you don't have to try and change the world, but, you know, be more into that creative orientation, mm. uh, be more of a um, uh, an author. I love that phrase of, you know, be an author. You know, are you just reading life or are you actually going to write a chapter or two? Right. Right? And um, there's a, there's a um, I think it's, a, it's from... A Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams, and he and he's this little bit in one of these classroom scenes uh, where he says, "What will your verse be?" You know, so because he's a he's an English teacher, right, and he's all about poetry, and and he's he's saying to the boys, um, you know, what is your verse going to be that you'll write? Mm. And Apple picked that that um, that whole scene up, and they turned it into an an ad for iPad. Mm. And uh, it's incredibly powerful. If you YouTube, it's an amazing ad mm. with you know, this idea that, you know, be an author, go and write a verse, right? Mm. And to me, that's one of my messages as well. So I think, you know, there's, um, it's interesting the kind of the corporate land, you know, do a lot of work with, with big organizations. Yeah. And there's this kind of, we want our people to step up. And to me, this is a, this is a, the book is, and the message is well here's a little way to do that right um, but also as leaders create the conditions you know be a host of these people in yeah. fact what just drawing some join some dots this this lady from the company I was talking about on the plane the leadership they the way I heard it is that they see themselves as hosts mm-hmm. I mean, not just hosts because they're providing you know, that broad general direction and upholding the values etc but there's this kind of um, let's create a place where people people can do the best work of their lives, right? Uh, and that's uh, I love that idea mm. too. Like, how do we help people do the best work of their lives? How do we help them be more change makery, be yeah. more authory? Right? Yeah, you know, when you say that, I I think like I think of someone and they're you know they're stuck in traffic. They're listening to a podcast because they're like far out. I just I've had it with the breeze. You know I can't I can't do another reset or whatever they do and you know get like, some more Duran Duran. Yeah, the beige station. <laughs> and I'm looking for a bit of change in my life. You know, and I like to think that these conversations, you know, um, might just give people ideas. Yeah. about you know one or two things they can implement or actually reframe it where you see things as a it's a challenge you know and like i'm going to be the best on this traffic driven motorway and and nice. show the best of myself and all these type of things but you know man it's just uh, I, I don't know sometimes it makes so much sense to me what we're all up to and other times it's just like yeah, yeah. i don't know man yeah 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 and when you don't know you just got to go well maybe i don't know and i have to actually <laughs> just play the long game here and exactly. like oh maybe there'll be this will make sense in 10 years time <laughs> and i think most of the time things do right yeah. like uh you know listening to you talk do you think you i mean what were you like at 20 Ooh, was this uh, were you similar with your mindset and you know? ask my friends ask my ex-girlfriends <laughs> <laughs> um I think it was it was emergent, you know. Mm. I mean, you know, I read that book at 12. Yeah. Um, I think I was probably perceived as quite a philosophical guy who was pretty laid back. Um, but also actually I was quite analytical right. and I was a bit, you know, 
again, it was a bit in the past, a bit in the future, what mm. might happen. I, th- I think I've learned to let that go mm. while holding on to the, the wondering about what the world's all about. Mm. I think I've always done that. I remember actually when I was really young, I think my mum said, you should be a philosopher. True. <laughs> like, is there a job for that? I don't think so. Right. Uh, actually, I, I don't know. Maybe we need more philosophers now. But there's, yeah. there's uh, what was it like at 20? You know, I was, I play, I partied damn hard, yeah. um, really hard through my late teens and early 20s. But underneath that, there was this kind of deep, thinking, wondering about what the world's all about. Mm. And I, so here's something most people wouldn't know. I was a chartered accountant when I was 20, right? So, oh, when I left university, 21. And my first ever profession was chartered accounting, right? Working for one of those big firms, auditing. And, you know, I was kind of like working out what, what am I into? Like, and I, after three years, actually even after a year, I said, no, this is my path. But I thought, actually, it's a good thing to you know, get a profession under your belt. So I stayed around for three years, did all my exams to become a chartered accountant. Yeah. But it was like, you know, then through that I worked out, actually, I'm a people guy. I'm not a numbers guy. Um, and I love training all the new accountants and I mm. loved um, doing all the marketing and business right. development. And so it's like that life experience and going, okay, what's life teaching me here? I'm learning what I'm into. Mm. Um, and I always say to people, you know, if you want to kind of – make your mark it's about being able to do i reckon three things one is find your voice which is what are you hardwired to do and i had to work that out through going down a few blind alleys Uh, so what are you hardwired to do what can you just do that naturally and to me it was sitting down with people and helping them think differently about their situations all that sort of stuff uh and helping leaders be more real and authentic Mm. uh and also loving working with groups of people. So that's the first thing. The second thing is to find your focus. So if finding your voice is about like, what am I hardwired to do? What am I about? Finding your focus is how do I want to use that talent for bettering the world, right? And so what, how do I contribute? And what are the, where are the needs that I can use what I've got to make a difference? And I think asking that question, working that out, there is no manual, right? You've got to do that work. Uh, and I think if you can land on those two things and that Venn diagram intersecting, you're pretty unstoppable, I yeah. reckon. But there's a third bit, which is find your tribe. And we've talked a lot about connection. Mm-hmm. So who are the people that you want to go with you on this journey, mm-hmm. right? And that can be you know, the people who lift you up. It's the people that you can lift up. It's the people that can challenge you, uh, that can yeah, not just be the the comfortable ones to be around, but some of the uncomfortable ones who will push you harder, mm. you know. And so find your tribe. So find your voice, find your focus, find your tribe. That's and if you can good. do those things, life's all right. Yeah, that is all right. Um, do you feel pressure to have an answer to things? Because, you know, you've got the book, you've got people coming to see you, you know, you've got me asking you a, bu- a bucket load of questions. Do you... Like how do you, I guess it's, I speak to a lot of people who operate at a high level and one thing I'm fascinated by is sometimes I hear stories that, you know, like um, I'm preaching stuff, but it's hard for me to live up to that because uh-huh. there's this thing where you have to give so much of yourself, you know, and, and like I'm wondering how you balance that. So oh, yeah. how, how do you balance kind of getting up there, you know, because 
you are providing a whatever's happening, you know? I would. That's a great question, Will. I love that question because it's making me think. <laughs> <laughs> um, do I feel pressure? So I'd be lying to say sometimes... No, I never feel pressure because mm. that'd be crap, right? Well, it's, I, it's LinkedIn can't show that, right? It can't show. There's no. Yeah. Light. Well, I think LinkedIn's a neutral platform that's yeah, got true. a culture on it, right? Yeah. Um, come back to that. I think when I feel pressure, it's because I go attention in, and attention is a is about the need for me to look good, mm. and if I'm driven by that to be right to have an answer and to kind of be wise and beardy strokey and stuff right (laughs) i'm like so then i feel pressure because Mm -hmm. i got an expectation to live up to if i choose to go attention out not attention in which is i'm here to serve Mm. and um and actually so we're talking in the car again uh, we should have recorded that, but now we're talking about it anyway. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Tim Ferriss interview Derek Sivers on Tim's podcast today. It's an old interview. And Derek was saying uh, about the interview with Tim how actually this isn't really about you and me, Tim. This is about the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So Because we could just go and have a beer without the microphones. We'd have the same conversation, mm-hmm. right? And so Derek's going... So we need to be kind of aware of what the audience would find interesting. We should talk about that because, mm. and that is an example of attention out. Mm. So for me, if I remember, I'm here to serve and help others, whether that's a huge room of people or it's a gr- small group like this morning, I was working with a group of about six people, mm. uh, or it's just one-on-one or it's a podcast. It's like, well, what's going to help the other? Mm. And how do I be in service of that? And then the pressure goes away because yeah. I'm like, well, I'm just going to ask some questions and I'm going to share stuff I'm wondering about and see how that lands with them. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's a great question because I reckon if we could be a little bit more attention out, yeah. it takes the pressure off attention and it's actually out. it's a better way of serving, right? Yeah, man. Well, it's, it's also like it's a nice way of saying serving because serving is, uh, <clears throat> I guess it has religious connotations, right? And uh. that can put a few people off yeah. personally I'm, I'm super neutral I'm willing to believe in everything and nothing yeah. and that's I said that to you in our car ride like, yeah. for me it kind of it's this funny loop yeah. where the more you think about it it's kind of like love if you just say it it makes sense yeah. but the closer you try and analyze it you realize it doesn't exist Yeah, but nice. it kind of does Nice. and it's so I, I think you just can't really look at it but you're encouraged to sometimes you're like go on then prove it well, I can't prove that I love my wife. Mm. I mean, we try to. We have rings and mm. we show affection and, and public and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, it's like, mm. I think it's, it's a just, mindset, man. Yeah. And it's how what all the little things every day. Mm. You know, talk about serving. I don't think about it being religious at mm. all. There's a, nah, cool. a friend of mine in Melbourne, Jackie Scammell, and, and she's an expert in customer service. And her thing is all about love mm. uh, as the kind of the core to that. And she is all about, you know, if we have great customer service, we need that attention out. It's about helping another. Mm. Is there religious in that? No. I mean, religion might be built around the same idea, but that's a more fundamental way of connecting to another human being. How mm. can I help you? Mm. Right. So that add on at the moment on telly, it's like, you know, Kiwis help each other out. I can't remember what it's for. <laughs> it's not a very good ad when you can't remember what it's for. <laughs> but but I, the message sticks, right? Mm. Like as Kiwis, we help each we help other Kiwis, right? Yeah. 
And that's serving mm. to me. It's just helping someone. Yeah, well, I think plenty of people are looking for ways to serve. Yeah. Hey, and that's, I guess that's a kind of double-edged sword too because you can serve others at the cost of yourself. And I guess yeah. that's what I was saying about being busy and mm. almost like getting this little thing where you become the person people come to with problems and you've got to find for them, oh, find man. the energy, find, 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 and you get it. You so, know? so I have a, um, a little model that I use um, a lot and it's a helping the wanky word is a helping maturity model, right? Yeah. So let's take the wank out of it. And yeah. it's, it's, it's different ways of thinking about helping. And uh, this, have you heard that metaphor, you know, teach a man a fish, you catch him, uh, yeah. uh, catch a man a fish, you feed him for a day, yeah. Yeah. teach a man a fish, you uh, feed him for a lifetime. Mm. So it's sort of the, the metaphor. So at the bottom, there's one, the first level is troubleshooter. So someone comes to me with a problem and I go into troubleshooter mode and my job, uh, my intention is to help them solve their problem. So I'll give them an answer. Do this. Oh, the light bulb's gone out. Well, replace the light bulb, <laughs> right? That's a really simple example. But the, the idea that I'll tell them what to do is the first level of helping. And that is pretty much catching fish for someone, right? The next level up is advisor. So the advisor, when they say, oh, um, I've got this problem, and you say, well, I'll ask you a few questions so I can diagnose your issue, and then you could then you could give some advice. Well, you could try this and maybe that. Mm. In my experience, this works well. And you're kind of still a bit sagey, though. You're a little bit more, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to do. Yeah. Right? And that's a bit better than just do this because it's like you're giving them the choice of what they might do but you give them a range of options mm-hmm. right it's still attention in both of those are attention in because it's more about you going I'm going to help them by telling them what I know and, and I think this will be good so I feel good about telling them my wise advice right jeez I sound like a wanker when I talk like <laughs> that don't I <laughs> anyway so they're the first two levels the next level is where you start to get into uh, helping them to learn to fish right. and the next level is called enabler and your intention there isn't to solve, it's not to advise, it's just to enable and to grow their capacity to make decisions more for themselves, mm. right? So that's much more of an open-ended question approach. So what have you tried so far? What could you do next? Mm. How? Um, not even how about, but it, it might be so, what might be your next step here and how can I help you with that, right? So you're, you're putting them at the center of the decision-making as opposed to you giving all this advice. Then the the last level is what I call co-creator. And so this is where you're generating ideas together around a problem. And you're standing side by side, metaphorically, and going, hmm, what do you reckon? I don't know. I've, I've got these ideas, but what have you got? And you're kind of looking at it together going, huh, okay, well, maybe we need to figure something out together. And there's no ego in that at all. There's no hierarchy. There's no power. It's like two of us looking at a, a challenge going, hmm, let's get our heads together. Mm. Both of those levels are attention out. Right, it's a, it's on the other person or the challenge itself. It's not on you looking good. Right, uh, is that what we're doing now? Hey, we're co-creating. Yeah, totally. I f- I feel like I'm kind of sharing lots of stories with mm. you, and you're asking me questions. Mm. But I think what's in, in the middle is the ideas. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, we're not on the stage here, right? Exactly. Yeah. That stuff's in your book. Uh, that is not. That's in my next book, okay. <laughs> which is <So>. coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I probably have to delete but, that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you no, know, because there's a, a blog on my on my website uh, called. Um, uh, oh, what is it called? It's about um, intent. Um, 
what's your intent? I think it's called. Mm. Uh, anyway, I can if we have show notes with this, we can add the link to yeah, it. Awesome. So, yeah. Let me ask you something as we kind of slowly come to the end of our you know awesome chat, and it's been a good chat because we've had the pre car ride. Um, we had a beer. We have a, had a beer, had a podcast, and, and if you're okay, I'll drop you off or you can catch an Uber, just oh, whatever, dude, whatever whatever suits. Um, I'm fascinated with this idea of dreaming, and it's something that I wonder, because for, for the longest time I thought it was a human right, that it, you were, it was inbuilt that you dream, because we it's inbuilt that we sleep, regardless how much you don't want to do it or how much you shoot yourself up on caffeine. You're going to crash and you're going to sleep regardless. Uh And so I was watching something on uh, some type of parenting documentary on Netflix and they were interviewing a a young Indian girl. Um, I've told this story before, but it's a mesmerizing story for me. Uh, So she was, you know, looking after her family. She was eight years old or something like eight, eight or 11. And they asked her, what do you dream about? And I didn't have my subtitles on, so it, she said it in her language. And I paused it, and I was like, hmm, I wonder what she said. Maybe mm. she said uh, financial freedom or you know, something to do with wealth, I, 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 I thought. So I rewound it, put the subtitles on, and what she said was, I don't dream. And I was like, far out. That's something I totally took for granted. Mm-hmm. And I started to it sat in my mind, and I'm wondering, do we dream? Like what does what does that even mean? Do you have to have a certain amount of you know um, safety or love or or a, an opportunity? You know, I started thinking: is that the true word of privilege that's really means something different today? But the privilege to dream. And then I was thinking about the people stuck on the motorways, right? And they're like, "Man, my life sucks, and I'm stressed out, and I've got high blood pressure." The question I wanted to pose is: Well, can you dream? Yes. You lucky bastard. Wow. So it's almost like a Maslow's hierarchy thing, mm-hmm. right? And so like you've got to get to a seven, certain level, right. maybe, yeah. where dreaming becomes something that is accessible. Something like I've that. I've not even thought about this before, <laughs> right? But, 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 you know, there is something about if my concerns are all about survival mm. and just um, make paying the mortgage yeah. or whatever it might be, do I have the bandwidth for dreaming? You know, I'd like to think yes, because mm. um, I've been in shit times in my life yeah. where, you know, it's the metaphorical being stuck on the motorway yeah. or, or worse. Um, you know, I've been some really dark times like we all have, mm. but I can't remember not dreaming. So right. to me, I'm, I'm kind of going, uh, I don't know. Mm. Um you know, part of me also goes, do we just not remember that we yeah, dream? True, right? true. Um, and then then the other bit is, and this is getting a little bit philosophical, you know, um, when we're awake, are we dreaming anyway? Because it's just about imagining right. um, and creating thoughts in our or, or images in our mind. Aren't mm. we doing that all day, every day? Just yes. sometimes we're at a more subconscious level. Yeah. You know, so aren't we dreaming all the time? Yeah. And then you could go the Matrix angle while the whole thing's a dream, right? So. That's the one I I think Elon Musk said it. He said that's the best he can do is to offer is that it's probably a simulation because there's so that's many right. glitches and reversions. Well, I was t- trying to tie it back to this idea of change, you know, uh-huh. and that to change, you know, dreaming is a huge part of changing. And sometimes mm. it's the one area where you get that inspiration you know you are able to 
do something. So I was thinking, you know, because maybe someone is looking for a bit of change in their life. If, maybe we should give this your copy you gave me away. Because what I'd, I'd I'd hate to do is, you know, I've mentioned to you I'm not a huge reader, but I am. Thank whoever for um, audiobooks because that's how I've been able to start chugging my way back through books you know just for me it wasn't like I'm an expert on Superman I can tell you everything about his films it's probably you know you read your book uh, the Seagull book and I watched Superman and that's how I learned my moral compass you know it was this Clark Kent character who was the real character but he had to put on a front of Mm. Superman and he's also a character that if you like look at Superman's story it's horrific he planet blew up parents family all dead comes to a fan, uh, uh, earth where he's different he can never express who he can be he's super strong he can never show it mm-hmm. he has to hide it mm-hmm. it's this really deep story and we see the s and the flying but for me i always thought wow. that's a really interesting character because he's always kind of lying really he can't tell lois the that facade, he's the right? he's the real thing mm-hmm. and anyway I'd like to kind of maybe make a, a challenge for someone. Is there is there something you can think that someone can go to on your website or blog and maybe they could um, comment. Maybe I'll put this clip up as a separate clip. Uh, what would be something that they can find an answer to on on your blog? Maybe it's a, a blog post and um, it's maybe it's... Um, yeah, I'm just thinking on the fly here. So yeah. maybe they could go to your... What would be the question that they yeah, have? Well, yeah. Um, what about if it's something more like they go to the About page yeah. and they just find uh-huh. they just find something that... Like, you know, they've got to go to your page and, and, find and, out and something? copy and paste something in the comments and then I can randomly choose one. Sweet. Well, there's, there is... Uh, is there something about like, you know, like... Um, so we want it like a public comment section, really, don't we? Yeah, I'll probably do it on Facebook or... Well, how or about... Because I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. Um, so we could have the post on LinkedIn, yep. right? And they could go there and uh, under the post, we could, we could just have a comment about... I don't know. I mean, maybe it's like, what's your number one takeaway from this conversation, mm, right? Because cool. that means they have to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's do and, that. What's and, their, what's their yeah, learning outcome? And, and they, some of them might write, well, it was in the first two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, yeah, what's the main takeout? Because I reckon that would be not just good for them to share that, but mm. for anyone else reading the stream, it's like, oh, man, there's some gems in there, man. Yeah, I might listen true to that. that. So true that. That's be, a bit of the uh, what you're saying too about the – not you know getting off that stage and sharing right mm-hmm. attention out attention out yeah yeah so do it in service of uh what are you learning that you think others might want find valuable and therefore it's worth listening to this conversation that we've had right Boom. okay well this clip awesome. will be on linkedin and I'll, I'll tag you in it and we'll do it that way um you if you sign it because that makes books cooler yeah but we'll, it's not to you right? no, no 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 okay we'll just so. m- maybe you can just write a little gem in there and i want you to think in your subconscious while you're while you're writing what's one mind-blowing moment that's happened in your life that's kind of given you a new perspective on life do you have a moment where you kind of something happened and you yeah. you, you woke up a different digby totally man mm. um oh god so many <laughs> uh backpacking in europe i was 22 first time i've ever been backpacking 
the world was open up, opening up in front of me, right? You know, and I remember sitting in Rome and I was with an old mate from Perth. And we're sitting there and we're like, so we're in Rome. We've kind of done Rome. We're over the crowds. Let's get the hell out of Dodge, right? And there was this moment where I just went, we can go anywhere in the world we want and no one has to give us permission. We are going. And we ended up pointing east, going to Greece. And But it was that, that was moment of I have the pen, I am the author of what happens next. And that was one of the first sort of um, cognizant times for me of having that a sense of agency, like mm. I can go anywhere I want. Wow. And my God, that was like, that stuck with me as a, okay, I actually have to take the responsibility now to choose what I write, right? And obviously now I have a family and all this stuff, but I still have to take responsibility for what I choose to do with my time. That was pivotal, right? 12, 10 years after reading Jonathan Livingston's Seagull, I was like, actually, you don't just fly off, but you actually now you have to really deliberately choose what direction you go. There's a lot happening there. You're dreaming too, right? Man, I always say, you know, change making is about three things. It's um, see, imagine, do. So see where you are now, imagine what could be, and do what it takes. Digby Scott, thank you, man, for Ooh. you know taking a punt and letting me let him a random dude in a denim jacket pick you up from the airport, <laughs> and then coming to the studio and blowing our minds and um, just hanging out. It's been a real, it's been a real nice time hanging out. With so you. uplifting, and you know I just hope it's been serving the crew who's listening. Awesome.